Live. 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 Live from... This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle! Follow me! Follow me to freedom! Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast. Here's New York Sports Talk, Love Suffering Fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. Hope you had a good Labor Day weekend. We are now getting ready for the NFL season. Week one underway on Thursday with the Bills taking on the Rams in Los Angeles. The Rams raised the banner from the Super Bowl. And we'll be joined just a bit by Mike Sando of The Athletic. We're going to preview the NFL season. So the Jets, the Giants, all the big storylines nationally. We'll talk about that with Mike in just a bit. Let's do our week one NFL picks. And we'll be joined by the great Alan Austin to make the first set of picks of the season. So all that good stuff come up with Allen in just a bit. Also make sure you lock in this show this two minute drill. I'm going to weigh in on the potential RJ Barrett extension for the Knicks and what that could mean going forward. So that contract getting finalized as we speak. So you can see what happens with that. If you like to hear on the just and the suffering podcast, please subscribe on Apple podcasts, Google play, tune in, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for just and the suffering affair podcast platforms and find episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and starring as well. It help make the podcast even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. The video versions of the conversations with Mike Sando and Alan will be up on the YouTube channel. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to our opening tip. Keep an eye on what's going on here for the locals this year in the NFL. We'll talk about that right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, opening tip time here. And the football season's here. It does, unfortunately, be another tough, long year for the two local teams. Start the Giants. Right now we're in year one of the Joe Shane, Brian Dable era. The roster definitely has shown some size improvements. The offensive line looks better. They have some depth in some key areas. But this is going to be a uphill battle for this team. The schedule is set up nicely for the Giants. They have some winnable games early. And you could say a scenario, if you don't squint too hard, you say, oh, you know, maybe the Giants are well, around 500 on the bye. The tricky thing with that, though, is that there are a lot of teams around the league that can look at the Giants and say, that's a game we can win. So those games may not be all giant wins. You could see some of those getting split here. This is also a make or break year for Daniel Jones. He has to play well in order to earn a future in New York. Basically, anywhere that matter, because this is year four. They declined his fifth-year option. Having a creative out as a coach of Brian Dable, who did wonders for Josh Allen, going to help. But Daniel Jones has to cut the turnovers down. He has to actually make the plays. Having Saquon Barkley healthy be a big help. He's also playing for a contract in the final year of his deal. Without question, with Barkley is healthy, he's had some issues with the injuries the past few years. He's the most talented player on that offense, and he can make a big impact, especially in the passing game if they start using him more for screens like he did in his rookie year. There's still a lot of holes here because Joe Shane had to use this offseason to start getting the cap in order. Remember, David Alvin really ran the cap in the ground. They had to make some tough cuts. They're in better shape going forward, but the playoffs, still unlikely this year. What you want out of the Giants here is progress. The Giants... Down the stretches, you're one of the worst teams in the league, and we're not competitive in games. You want them to show they have the right infrastructure in place, the right coach, the right GM, the right, and show some fight from this team. So you say, you know what? 
if we give this group better players, they're going to win. So you want to see that the infrastructure is in place to break a cycle of losing going forward. Jets, on the other hand, they're a more interesting team because they're a bit ahead of the Giants in the rebuild process. The Zach Wilson injury is a bit of a bummer because obviously it was nice to have him go through the camp and get all the reps he could. She back soon, though. Joe Flacco likely starting game week one against Baltimore on Sunday. Not confirmed yet, but that's the direction we're trending here. The Jets are a much deeper team now than they have been. It's a good defensive line, the skill positions. I mean, the Jets had seven players claimed off waivers on the cutdowns, which is absurd. It means that Joe Douglas did a good job building depth in this roster and getting players other teams want. Losing Mekhi Beckton for the year did hurt also. The Jets did add two pro bowlers on the offensive line. Dwayne Brown is replacing at left tackle. Lakin Thompson, left guard, moving Elijah Barry Tuck over to right guard. The line should be good. They have some depth around, all around the roster. That should be good. The problem is that they have the opposite of the Giants. Their schedule is very hard getting started. They play four weeks in a row the NFC, AFC North. They have the Packers early. They have the Broncos early. They have the Patriots and Bills early. This is a bad schedule for them. But they still have to take a step forward here. This cannot be another year the Jets are 2-7 and seven after nine games. The season's over on Halloween, and we're looking at mock drafts. If that's happening again, the people are getting fired. I have said this numerous times here. The New York Jets need to be on those in-the-hunt graphics in December. They need to be in the mix for a playoff spot. You need to have confidence that Zach Wilson is the guy because we shouldn't be sitting here in mid-November saying, what quarterback should the Jets take because Zach Wilson stinks? You need better from this team. You need better from them. They had the longest playoff drought in the year, in the league. It's been 11 years since they lost to Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship game in 20, at the end of the 2010 season. They need to take a big step forward this year. Heads are going to end up rolling. And that's not something you want if you're a Jeffman. You want some stability. And with that, let's shift more into our big, larger-scale NFL preview with Mike Sando of The Athletic right after this call from last year's Super Bowl, courtesy of NBC Sports, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. Stafford rolling and throwing. Caught, caught, touchdown. Put up the numbers in the red zone. There they go again. There's the family. Stafford family, 11 yards for the TD. Cooper Cup blocks so much that people believe him when he goes down to fake block because then Eli Apple reacted up to that and simply could not get back. So it is the work ethic, the blocking ethic. All right, we are back here. NFL season kicking off tonight. Join me today. One of the lead NFL writers, The Athletic, does a lot of great stuff on quarterbacks for the site. Mike Sando is back with us. Mike, how are you? Good to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me on. I'm always excited for another season. This is my 25th season covering the NFL. A lot more seasons following the NFL as a fan before that. So um, I'm always eager to get it going when we get to opening day. Yeah, and if you're not an athletic subscriber, I recommend signing on. Mike does a great article. You got the quarterback tiers where he talks a bunch of NFL executives and ranks the where they rank the quarterbacks from the best tier to the worst tier. I always find it's a fascinating read. So get ready for the season. Yeah, it is, and we, I'm sure we'll reference it maybe today. <laughs> Absolutely, here and any sorry, get start here. I want to say obviously I'm New York based. I'm worried about the New York teams here, so I want to start here with the Jets because obviously they have better roster this season. They did a good job of the offseason. season. Now we have this. 
weird Zach Wilson thing going on here where they told us on Monday, oh, he might be ready for week one. Now it's not till at least the week four. What do you make of the Jets this year? Yeah, well, that wasn't going to happen. I, I, at the time, I thought, does he really think, does Salah really think that, like, the other team now is like, shoot, we have to prepare for these two different quarterbacks. <laughs> like, they, like, there's no way they're just going to throw them into the wolves at this stage. Uh, it would be unbelievable. So this seems uh, much more reasonable. I do, you know, like, I think most people feel like the Jets have upgraded and are, are in better position. It is a weird dynamic, uh, you know, at the start of the year to not have Zach Wilson playing and to have, uh, Joe Flacco in there is just sort of like we're biding our time, right? Because the evaluation has to include uh, Zach Wilson this season. So, you know, hopefully for them, they've done enough around uh, the quarterback position to be improved and be at least representative and and have a chance. Um, but I think we're all waiting for, for Wilson to get in there because the season hinges on how he plays. Yeah, I feel like with them, my sort of read on them is like, it's not realistic like them to be in the playoffs hearing how deep the AFC got, but like right. if they're not at least like on one of those like in the hunt graphics that towards the end of the season, I feel like then you have a problem with the direction the franchise is going. Yeah, yeah, you would sure hope not. But you're right. If they could make a transfer to the NFC East, you know, trade spots <laughs> with the Giants or something, you know, uh <laughs> then you could maybe keep hope alive. The AFC is a little bit harder, but you know, from where this franchise has been, and I think we're I mean the Giants are kind of this way too, you're sort of looking for competence right you're you're looking for steps you're looking for uh, evidence that hey there's a plan in place here and and they're making progress yeah go to the giants for a minute too because obviously they're behind the Jets. really just started the rebuild new front office new head coach some new players a lot of the old players are still here so like if you're a giant fan what should you be looking at from this year what do you hope to take out of it well i think some of this is an evaluation of what was there previously and just how sort of bad that was it because Obviously, they didn't come in and ramp up the roster to make a run this year, right? I mean, they it is ground floor, and the expectation should be pretty low. But I think if we feel like Brian Dayball and Joe Shane are competent people, right? Like they're their first time in, in the role, obviously. But if we feel like a lot better about them in terms of what was there before, then do they just get a boost? It's It's a little bit like... Like I'm not going to say that it's the same type of thing as Jacksonville because it was different deficiencies, but like the fact that the Jacksonville just who was there before left upgrades Jacksonville before we talk about who's there now, right? Yeah. So was were the Giants just kind of in such a funk with the whole Dave Gettleman era and what had become of the coaching staff that just by removing that, or do they get some wins? Right? Do they just sort of? come to the surface at least uh, i think that's an interesting part about them and i know you had put down um you know for our potential topics today like who's a team that could you know disappoint or surprise and i don't think the giants are going to surprise anybody like they're going to be in the playoffs necessarily but i think the expectations have been suppressed so far and then they weren't really ramped up by the new regime right they came in and were like almost admitting hey you know this is a process um that could they just be better than people expect because uh, they're not expect no one's expecting anything and the expectations have been suppressed for so long yeah that's for sure absolutely absolutely here and speaking of teams that are not have expectations that are suppressed i was talking about the rams who won the super bowl last year a couple of key players turn over here but they are kicking the season off tonight at home against buffalo and 
feels like we, I mean, we've been waiting almost 20 years for a team to repeat. I think the 03 04 Patriots went back to back here. Do you think the Rams can break that streak yeah. this year? Uh, it's, I just think it's very unlikely because they were unlikely to win the Super Bowl last year. As good as the team they are, any one team's odds are low because you're, you're going to take the field, right? There's just too many things that have to go right. So they could be an incrementally better team. They could be 5% better this year and lose in the second round of the playoffs because it is a one and done type situation. So I'm not really holding them to, Oh, it's a disappointment. If you don't do that again, I just kind of want to see, Hey, do they have a significant drop off? Sometimes we do see that when you enjoy team success, you know, at a lot of levels, uh, it's really easy to go from we to me, right? Yep. Hey, we, we, we did this together. Now I want mine. And I'm not saying I see that with the Rams. It's hard to know, but um, I'm a, I want to see if they guard against just sort of uh, sliding back, right? That hey, we we did it. No, that doesn't. You started the whole new year this year from the ground floor, and while I think their division cooperated with them a little bit, obviously with Russell Wilson being traded to the Rams owned the Seahawks anyway, but there's uncertainty with Trey Lance. Um, I think there's uncertainty with Arizona. They don't even have DeAndre Hopkins the first six games of the year, so. Uh, it looks like it sets up well for the Rams, but repeat, no. All right, so, but obviously that's unlikely here, but there are some good contenders the NSD have challenged. And the two big ones, obviously, Green Bay, which in the home, the top seed the last two years, lost in the playoffs at home. Tampa Bay, obviously, Tom Brady's back. A lot of that team is back here. If you had to put your chip on one of them to be the bigger threat to the Rams, mm-hmm. who is it? You know, I'm going to lean towards the Packers. Uh <sighs> You know, it's so interesting as you think about how to build and maintain a team. Kind of when you get one thing that you feel better about, another thing sort of falls off, doesn't it? And I feel like with the Packers, the Packers are kind of that team this year that I kind of want to pick for the Super Bowl in the NFC. Um, They've been really good. I do feel like their defense um, should be better. You know, I'm hopeful for them that the new special teams coach squares them away in that area i think for a long time under mike mccarthy and others they've just been up and down on the defense special teams component and even if you have a great player like rogers at quarterback i wrote about this on monday if you're really inconsistent in those phases you're just going to swerve into a championship every once in a while right yeah if you're squared away in those areas like tom brady's teams have been you're going to be in the championship or the super bowl all the time i just feel like defensively they might and special teams a little bit maybe they can get that right this year but then at the same time then their receiver situations all you know screwed up in the back of my mind so i'll trust aaron Rodgers. i'll trust their defense gets better that that rich passaccia you know fixes the special teams and i'll side with them but um you know they it's not a guarantee either is anything specifically against tampa had you sort of like we put green bay higher um We'll see where they're at. You know, I just, I felt like their season was, their off season had so many question marks and we couldn't really figure out what was going on. You know, I think the Brady situation is interesting from the retirement to the comeback to the coaching change to 11 days off in camp to him, just how he looked physically to the middle of his offensive line kind of falling apart. Uh, it's, you know, to Chris Godwin coming off of an injury. Uh, sure, they could get all the way back there, but I just kind of feel like, Maybe there's more evidence that there's gonna it's gonna be harder for them. We'll see. 
Yeah, we'll see about them indeed. Obviously, other division in the NFC, NFC East here. I mean, nobody's really expecting the Giants or the Commanders to do much. It really is a two-horse race in the Cowboys and the Eagles. Cowboys obviously lost Tyron Smith for a long time in the preseason here. They lost yeah. a bunch of defections in the offseason. Do you think the Eagles didn't have to catch it? I think it's still Dallas' division to lose. Oh, I probably lean towards Philly on the strength of their roster. Although it's funny, I did a uh, I did a piece today that I do every year before the season. You know, NFL execs in the league talking about what's the concern for every team, and the concern on Philly was a little overrated here with the offseason roster hype, right? I mean, there's been all we hear about is how amazing the roster is, and I do think it is good. Um, and so I probably think they're uh, they're probably the team that I side with. I do feel like the Cowboys. Uh, probably lost some talent, obviously receiver position, the offensive line a little bit. Um, and I don't like their setup overall, just the, the owner, the coach, the, just the structure of their organization, I think makes it harder to coach the team, harder to have consistency because of Jerry Jones. I don't think he's a good owner from a football standpoint uh, in the last, you know, couple decades. So, you know, maybe I lean a little bit towards Philly there, but uh you know, we'll see how, like, Washington doesn't, there's nothing sexy about Washington at all, but, like, it wouldn't be surprised me if they were 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight and kind of, you know, around that mix. Every one of those teams benefits from an easier schedule, right? Because they play each other. They, you know, the scheduling rotation, another piece I did was who plays the toughest uh, schedule of opposing quarterbacks. And it was like the NFC East was all in the easiest realm based on their own division and then who else they're playing. Yeah, I believe they're playing, I think there's the AFC South and the NFC Central, I AFC North. Those two really do help out in that regard. Yeah, I like the I like the NFC Central reference. That does go back to the day. Remember when Tampa was in the NFC Central with uh, Green Bay, anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely here. And though the other fun division, I think probably the, most, the best division in football, the AFC West, where all four teams legitimately could make the playoffs. Yeah. They could all finish 8-9. Yeah. I think it's just such a battle in there. Like, who do you like coming out of the division? How many teams do you think they send to the playoffs? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean to the to Kansas City and just say prove it to me, and then I'm gonna say, uh, you know, probably the Chargers. I think the Raiders are in there too. When you gave me the list of potential topics, and there were, you know, what team could disappoint? I feel like it could be Denver. I just feel like combination of the division, new quarterback, right? I mean, they they're gonna. T- I don't think their weapons are that good. I mean, I just don't. I mean, I think Cortland, the Cortland Sutton's fine, but. The one guy they could count on was kind of Tim Patrick, I think, uh, and you know for consistency, and he, and he's out. They traded Noah Fant. You know Russell Wilson hasn't been as great the last year and a half. Maybe he bounces back. I mean, shoot, no one's going to be surprised if he has a great year. I just feel like with the expectations that they've leaned into, no one's talking about. They lost Vic Fangio. I mean, that's a really good look. Say what you want about a head coach, but for coordinating your defense. I mean, you're not going to be as good as Vic Fangio this year. I don't care almost who you get. Also, they had Mike Munchak, who was a great line coach. And he just goes away. No one talks about it. And now you have a quarterback who holds the ball, hasn't shown quite as much elusiveness, puts pressure on the offensive line and the protection component. Um, It's just not that easy, right, to plug in. So I wonder if Denver sort of has a year here where they're good, but could they be the fourth-place team in the AFC West? And everyone's going, oh, what happened? Well, it's a tough division and all those things I just talked about. Yeah, I remember I did read your article on Monday about the quarterback defense connection here. And there was, I think it was a point in the article talking about Russell Wilson specifically, where I said, you know, like the Seahawks were at their best early on when Russell had the great defensive support and they didn't really like kind of plateau at that point. So there was an argument Seattle could make about maybe we. Yeah, and I, I think Russell Wilson got a lot of respect as the defense and special teams weren't as good because they kept going to the playoffs. But when you now zoom out, 
and you look at you kind of see the first five years and the second five years for Russell in Seattle. The first five defense, running game, Marshawn Lynch, and then a really good, efficient Russell Wilson who could take you down the field in two minutes, made some really clutch throws, tough, you know, but was it, he wasn't really the driver of the success. He, he was a passenger, and they were eight and four in the playoffs, went to two Super Bowls. Last five years, kind of defense special teams slides to the middle of the pack. Uh, Russell Wilson's good, maybe even better, carries a little bit more of it, right? Has him in the mix to to – to have winning records, but they're one and three in the playoffs since then, not able to really put them over the top. And that's not uncommon. I mean, that happens with a lot of quarterbacks, but um, in that AFC West, does he just show up now? Right. And lift the team Um, some, but how high? Yeah, that's for sure here. And obviously week one's coming up here. I feel like there's a lot of interesting games because of a size tonight's game with the bills and the Rams. I mean, you've got all these revenge games at the Baker Mayfield game. You got the Carson. Oh yeah. I love this week. Yeah, like what what matchups you you have circle on your calendar? Say I want to make a point to check out most a lot of these action. Okay, so I'm toggling over here. Here's the ones that I like, and it would help if I click 2022. <laughs> I'm like 2021. So, uh, all right, what do I like? Definitely the the Baker Mayfield storyline. I love. I love Trey Lance and Justin Fields both playing. You know, in the 49er Bear game. Uh, I think that's really interesting. Um, what's going on there? I think the Eagles going to Detroit is interesting because. You know, Eagles sort of off-season champions, right? Anointed, and now you know Detroit's not great, but I think they're better. I think they're good on their lines. So, could could Detroit put a scare into them? I don't know. I think Matt Ryan making his debut for the Colts interests me. Tua the whole off-season with their situation with hey Tyreek Hill, do, do they fall flat against New England or do, do they roll with it? I really like that one. I love Raiders Chargers. I mean, if I'm the Chargers, can I just ease into the season, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like. You have to face your worst situation. Like this whole offseason for them is improve the defense, special teams. Can't we got to get past the Raiders? How embarrassing. We we couldn't beat the Raiders last year. You got to play them out of the gates. And they just added Devontae Adams and Josh McDaniels. <laughs> and you're uh, JC Jackson not playing. I just feel like, wow, what a great win if the Chargers can get it. But that's just a vulnerable situation where the Raiders, no one's really, I mean, I'd say no one's talking about the Raiders, but I think the expectations for the Chargers are higher. And certainly missing to playoffs two years with Justin Herbert. If they're zero and one out of the gates, I I love that one. And there's shoot two more. This is half the games. How about Green Bay at Minnesota? Green Bay split with Minnesota last year, so you get Green Bay last year week one 38-3 loss, right? So that intrigues me. Like we just assume Green Bay is going to have a great year. They probably will, but that's a tough one out of the gates to get a division rival that could play a tough. And then we finish it Monday night. I love Broncos Seahawks. I just think it's, I mean, the Broncos are favored by six and a half, but I don't know what the heck's going to happen in that game. Yeah, I, I love that one too. I mean, all these revenge storylines are great. And the under, and like one that sort of came about because of the Zach Wilson injury or Joe Flacco based his old team with the with the Jets here. I think that's a good match ah, the Jets as well. Flacco revenge game. Yeah, Flacco's interesting to me because I think we've all, you know, most people feel like, you know, his time has passed as a starting quarterback and, and whatnot. But when he taught, you know, Backup quarterbacks talk in different ways. Some of them, hey, I'm here to support the starter. And some of them are like, no, nah, I want to prove I'm still a starter. And I feel like Placco's in that second camp. So, you know, are I don't know if they're gonna, you know, what if they what if they won a couple games? You know, I have to look and see what the Jets schedule is out of the gates. Is it possible the Jets could be two and one? I mean, maybe not. I don't I gotta look and see who they're playing. They're so they got they, Baltimore, yeah. Cleveland, Cincy. Unlikely. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I'll, unlikely, yeah. but what if they 
kind of surprised, right? Yeah, that would be fun. That would be really interesting. If you know what if Flacco played great for two of the three games, they get two of the three at home. I mean, never, I don't know. You never know. And I mean, obviously, we're not picking the Jets go to the Super Bowl this year. Who were your teams that you think could be the Super Bowl contenders? You get to make a pick today. Yeah, I think I will go with Green Bay out of the uh, out of the NFC. We'll see. It's a it's an e- obviously an easier conference. Um, I struggle a little bit on the AFC side. Uh, I think the smart money probably is Buffalo. I may lean Chiefs. You know, I may just lean Chiefs and make the make the Bills prove it. I think the Bills are probably the better team, but uh, but I'll I'll lean with the experience of the Chiefs, and we'll see. You know how much they can improve on defense. How much they miss Tyreek Hill. Um, I'll just give a slight advantage to to Mahomes and Andy Reid here, um, but I think the AFC is going to be really tough. I feel like at the AFC, like if if you doesn't matter really who you get out of the AFC, if you get one of those good teams against Green Bay or Tampa or the Rams, they have a fun Super Bowl either way. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be. I think I just think it's going to be a fun season, and there's a lot at kind of at stake for different key characters in the league. You know, we're, we're talking about Russell Wilson. We're talking about. Uh, you know, Josh Allen and McDermott, right? I mean, we know they're going to be good, good for a long time, but they really should have got there last year. Yeah, they absolutely you know? should have. And, yeah, and when you miss those opportunities and think you're in the early realm of your tenure, don't always get them back. You know, so I think Buffalo is just a really interesting team. It's going to be in that window. They're in that window for a while, but what if they you know, losing the playoffs again, right? Early. I mean, that it's, it could easily happen in the AFC. Absolutely. be a fun year, Mike. Thanks a lot of time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, if you follow social media, keep up with your coverage over at The Athletic. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on Twitter at Sando, NFL, S-A-N-D-O, NFL. You can certainly find me uh, on The Athletic. If you go to the Athletic app, you can follow your favorite writers. So you can follow me if I'm if I'm in there and if I'm one of your favorites. I mean, if you hate me, don't. You're probably not <laughs> listening right now. But you can, you'll can you get it all delivered uh, in that way and not miss anything. Yeah, I do have you on my, on my favorite writers on the Athletic app. So thanks for all the time. Okay, I hey, thanks. It. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks for week number one are here. The football season's coming up very quickly on us. Joining me today to kick us all off for the fifth year of the Justin the Suffering Picks Challenge, uh, Alan Austin is back with us. Alan, how are you? I am well, Mike. Happy to be here. Very much looking forward to the NFL season. I'm excited, too. I mean, even though both our teams are probably not going to make the playoffs here, it's nice to have some football back in our lives. Nice to have some football back. And, you know, I, we, we as New York Jets and Giants fans have that unrelenting optimism regardless where we think if a few things go right, the sky's the limit, even though we know by week six we're out of it. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Although I'm hoping my team is not – Two and seven after nine years. Look at the mock drafts again. I'm hoping that's not the case. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. The Jets' schedule is rough with a capital R. Yeah, I, I, all I'm, I'm not asking the players. I'm asking to be on the in the hunt graphic in December. Is that? I don't think that's too much to ask. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. Have you had your fantasy draft yet? I'm. I have not had any fantasy drafts yet this year, so it's it's still pretty open. How about yourself? 
Yeah, I have one tonight. Recording one week before the season opener on September 1st. I have the 1-1, so I actually am looking forward to taking Jonathan Taylor tonight. Oh, beautiful. Very. Your job was made easy in this case. Yeah, I got a one-pick head start, and then after that, my job gets hard again. Absolutely, but that one-pick head start is huge. It absolutely is here, and let's talk about the Giants a little bit, because obviously you're a big Giant guy here, and this obviously for them was interesting because they're sort of cleaning up the mess here that Dave Gelman left behind. They got rid of a bunch of bad contracts. They'll have more on the books. They brought in some new guys. What do you think what they did, what they did over the uh, summer here? It truly feels like a reboot. Finally, you know, we've stunk for so many years and it was just this constant barrage of Gettleman moves to improve a crappy team. And now we finally have the new regime in place. And that alone made this offseason an A+. And I know it was only two offseasons ago where Joe Judge was brought in, but that was still Gettleman-led. So now we've gotten rid of Gettleman. We've gotten rid of Judge, which what a fall from grace. After year one, Giant fans were pretty pumped about him and believed in him. And by that, by the end of last year, he couldn't be gone quick enough, and rightfully so. You know, I was someone who definitely gave him the thumbs up after one year, but his shtick got tired fast. Combine that with injuries and losing and just this awful, awfully coached last couple weeks, and it was time to go. So this feels like a winning regime is in place. These guys have come over from the Bills. It just feels that alone feels like a win. And of course, we're cleaning up the Gettleman mess, which, you know, I'm sure your next question is expectations for the year. They're not great, but you want to see a competitive, you know, a competitive team that can win about six to eight games. Yeah, I feel like that's the right idea to take here because, I mean, last year, especially, like, down the stretch, the, the Giants just non-competitive in games, and it looked like they were the worst team in football here. I mean... They, you, they were the worst team in football yeah. last year. Yeah, they, I, I would not disagree with that. They were, they were they had some early wins to sort of bolster them up here, but the way I look at it, if you're a Giant fan, is, like, you want to see that you pick the right guys, have your team be competitive and be in a lot of games, and you're not going to win a lot of games, but say, hey, like, if I have the right coach here and like the right guy picking the players, once I get better players, the win's going to follow. A hundred percent. And and another note, I am not a Daniel Jones guy. So my expectation, if he is mediocre at best and just not t- taking the, the, you know, the bull by the horns and making this job his, I'd like to see Tyrod Taylor switched in as soon as possible. Jones's option was already declined. Taylor's on a two-year deal. So I'd rather Taylor be the guy taking the first team snaps, starting the games to be able to kind of mentor in whoever's coming in next year in the draft because there's a pretty good crop next year. So I'd like to see that happen if we're not going to surprise the world and be, you know, in playoff contention. Yeah, it's like you definitely keep an eye on the Giants this year. And they have a tricky week one match. They're going on the road against Tennessee, who I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on Tennessee after they lost the first round of the playoffs year and they moved on from A.J. Brown in the offseason. But this is still a very good football team to give the Giants some problems. This is a team that can beat the Giants. There's no doubt about it. You know, it would take nothing short of just spectacular play on one end and disappointing play on the other for this team, to, this game to go the Giants' way. I just fear Derrick Henry is going to run right over us and just kind of have like three first half touchdowns and and this game will be over by halftime. I'm hopeful that there's a a shock here and the Giants pull off a week one. You know, we're feeling ourselves upset. I'm just not seeing it. So what I'm looking for in this game is offensive production. You know, that 
I, I think the defense might truly get run over. So I'm looking for this game to be competitive because the offense just keeps scoring. Will it happen? I doubt it, but I'm looking forward to it. But if I had to take a guess, I would say that the Titans walk out week one winners, and I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, we'll see what happens in that game here. And just because this is the week one, I want to sort of set up here for the audience. Is anybody who's joining us for the first time here, if you are, first of all, welcome. And then I will also say here the terms of the pick setup here. What we do every week here is I'm on every week. I have a different guest come through every week. And we're going to do three picks against the spread. So we'll give you the lines, give you the reasoning here. And we'll, we'll keep track throughout the year, see who ends up winning this whole thing at the end of the year. I've won the regular season, I think, all four years. And last year, I lost the playoffs. So maybe there's a little momentum building for the challenger team. All right. Well, I'd be, I am honored and humbled to be the first to take that crack. Yep, you are going to be the first to take the crack here. And let's get into the picks here. So, Alan, as the guest, you can go first. Where are you going with pick number one? Sure. So, with pick number one, I am going to take the Vegas Raiders plus three and a half against the Chargers. My rationale is I believe in this Raiders team. You know, the Josh McDaniels reboot over there has begun after the Gruden mess. I liked the way the Raiders finished the season once Gruden was gone. I also like that even though it's late in the off uh, late in preseason, they're kind of cleaning house. I feel like they have a clear vision. They know what they are as a team, and I do think they will be the five seed in the playoffs. And I think that they will beat this Charger team, who I think is maybe being overhyped just a little bit. So I see them coming out strong and taking this game, thus covering the plus three and a half against the Chargers. The hook is massive that game, in my opinion, too. Plus, I mean, you're right. I think the Raiders are getting slept on here. I mean, the Chargers are a very good football team, but they don't have a home field advantage so far. This is a rematch of that Week 18 game, the classic that the Raiders won over a time. I think the Raiders can put up a good effort here. If they would, I think it's going to be close. I agree, and, and you're right. There is no home field advantage for the Chargers. In fact, it might be home field advantage for the Raiders in this case. Absolutely. We're going with pick number two. Pick number two, I am taking the Rams plus two and a half over the Bills in the Thursday night opener. And the reason is, I think the Rams are, you know, I think too many people are assuming Super Bowl hangover. I think they're going to come out strong. And I think they're actually a really good matchup for the Bills. So I will I will go out here and say that the Rams take this one plus two and a half over the Bills. Tough pick, but I wanted to be a little bold, so I'm going with the Rams. I do like the value on that play, though, too, because this is the opening night for the Rams. They're raising the banner there. I know they've lost some key pieces here, and the Bills are a very good team. But, like, I feel like the, mo- the moment's going to, like, really hype the Rams up here. They're going to come out fired up here. They're going to be a very tough spot for the Bills to be in. I completely agree. I think, uh, you know, I don't want to call facing the defending champions a trap game because I'm high on the Bills, but I do think the Rams take the opener at home. I wouldn't be shocked if they don't, but that's how I feel. All right, where are you going with your last pick of the week? My last pick of the week is the Dolphins minus three over the Patriots. This might be a hot take, but I think the Patriots are just not that good. And I think the Dolphins have enough firepower on offense to kind of, you know, take this one to the bank. And uh, I'm pretty confident now. I would say that the Dolphins minus three is my most confident pick of the week. I love that pick so much because I think, obviously, I'm also with you. I don't think the Patriots being overrated. You heard all the reports in the offseason about how their offense was like a mess in practice here. The Dolphins beat them twice last year with the same quarterbacks in the system here. The Dolphins have gotten better since I think the Patriots have gotten worse. I think this will be a rough year for New England. I think I like Miami here, especially in South Beach where the Patriots never play well. I think it's a good spot for the Dolphins. 
I agree. And and I just don't see why Joe Judge, Matt Patricia are given so much pull after proving that they just kind of lost their touch. I know Belichick's the mastermind, but I just don't like that group this year. And I know it's a group that was together in the past, but the way they're lined up now, I'm just not a fan of it. I think it's going to be an off year for the Pats, and I think their fans are going to be uh, quite humbled in 2022. And that's just... Uh, it, you know, some people might see that as bold, but that's, that's truly how I think this season's going to play out for the Patriots. All right, you're on the board. Now I'm up next. Pick number one. I'm going to go to a revenge game here. He's the Panthers laying two at home, two and a half at home against the Browns here. I think this is the Baker Mayfield revenge game here. He's very angry at the Browns. Dumped him for Deshaun Watson. Watson obviously not here for this game. He gets suspended for 11 games. Chicago was set under center for the Browns. Gains in Carolina. Healthy Christian McCaffrey have a huge role in this offense here. I think Baker lights the Browns up here. I'm, I'm laying under a field goal, so I'll take the Panthers laying the two and a half points. No, I like the pick a lot. I think I do think this is the Baker Mayfield revenge game as it's being built. I think the Browns are not that good of a football team also. I have them in my preseason finishing fourth in their division. I think that, you know, Deshaun Watson, when he was a Texans quarterback, they still stunk. So I'm not truly confident that the pieces around Watson are going to make them this juggernaut that the Browns' ownership hopes. And I do see the Panthers taking the sweep one win, and I'm rooting for them to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Pick number two. I'm going to go to Monday night. You're going to take the Broncos laying six and a half in Seattle against the Seahawks. This is the Russell Wilson return game here. And Seattle's just not very good. I mean, they're starting Geno Smith, the quarterback here. They have questionable players on that team. I'm hard from that. They lost some key guys on the defense here. I think Denver coming out here, Russell, they fired out to show that the Seahawks that they may stay not unleashing him all these years. Emotional game here. I think Denver is just going to come out and make a statement. I think this game is a double-digit win for the Broncos. I completely agree with you. Uh, the only reason I didn't have this one on my list of picks is because I didn't like the six and a half ever. Like, I rarely like that. I'm pretty confident in your pick. I really think that... Uh, the Broncos will look strong here on opening night for them. And, and right off the heels of the Russell Wilson extension, I think they come out strong, and I agree with you. And pick number three, I like the number here. I think this is a tricky spot here for the uh, Eagles. I'm going to take the Lions getting four at home against the Eagles on opening day here. I think the Eagles, everybody's hyping them up. Like, oh, they're going to division. The Cowboys are banged up. I need to see Jalen Hurst do more throwing the football. I think this team is a bit vulnerable to getting all the press clippings, all the hype around them. The Lions have caused the hard knocks effect. I like the way they're coming together as a team. They have some young talent on the defensive side. It's very interesting here. I think this game is a very close game because Detroit played a lot of close games last year, particularly at home. And I think they have a chance here to pull an upset here and stun the Eagles opening day. I'm going to take the Lions getting four points at home that last pick of the week. I like it. I'm rooting for them. I've watched Hard Knocks. I'm, I'm bummed out that spoilers happened just by the announcement of roster cuts. But I really, really enjoyed the Lions this year, but I don't know if they're going to be able to beat the Eagles. I feel like it's a little bit of us with, like, you know, rose-colored glasses on, hoping for the best. But I am rooting along with you for the Lions to take this one, obviously, as a Giant fan and as someone who doesn't mind the Lions and actually likes Dan Campbell. So I'll be rooting for your pick to, to come true. Yeah, I love the fact I'm getting four points in that game, too. Having more than three as an, as an underdog is always nice. I, I agree, except when you're the Seahawks. I'm, I'm scared about that one. <laughs> All right, so reset the picks here. Allen is taking the Raiders getting three and a half in SoFi against the Chargers. The Rams getting two and a half on opening night against the Bills. The Dolphins laying three at home against the Patriots. I think the Panthers laying two and a half in the Baker Mayfield revenge game, taking the Broncos 
laying six and a half in Russell Wilson's return to Monday Night Football. And I'm going to take the Denver Brock. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions getting four points at home against the Eagles. And those are your picks for week one here on the podcast. I'm going to be joined next week on the podcast here by good friend. I think he's returned to the Just and the Suffering Streets. Nick Delessio is coming on here. We're going to talk some Jets next week and see how we do against Baltimore week one. Looking forward to it. And like I said, the Giants, I believe, are at six and a half. I don't love that spread either because I think if they're going down, it's going to be a rough one. Yeah, the Jet number, I think, this week is plus. They're plus seven at home against the Ravens here. And that's the game nobody expects them to win. I think they can make it interesting, though. Joe Flacco's been hot in the preseason. He seems to be doing well in this uh, Mike LaFleur offense here, too. Yep, I, 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 I just don't like that line. I think the Ravens are a good football team. I don't think they're phenomenal, but I think they're a solid football team. And this opening run for the Jets is a rough one. I, I, how do you honestly feel them handling this four-game stretch to open the season against the North? My gut says one and three. I think they can pull a split, but I think one and three is probably the most likely outcome here. You think they could beat Pittsburgh? I think they can beat Pittsburgh. And I think, again, the quarterback play is not great for the Steelers. I think they are a little overhyped, in my opinion, the Pittsburgh. Interesting. Interesting. It's a tough schedule, like I said. But, uh, you know, for our New York teams, we just want to see progress. That's how I feel. I feel that way, too, Alan. Thanks all the time. really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I can people follow on social media, keep up with some of the stuff, stuff you're up to. Sure. I think the best way to, to follow me right now is Twitter at Alan, A-L-L-E-N underscore Austin underscore. Absolutely, Alan. Thanks for all the time. really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure. The Two-Minute Drill. All right, two-minute drill time. So this Knicks contract extension here, and the timing of this is hilarious because they do get a contract extension done for R.J. Barrett. Four years, get up to $120 million. He maxed out his incentives. First of all, it's a good sign for the franchise. They had not signed any of their draft picks in the first round to a contract beyond the rookie deal since Charlie Ward in 1999. That's a long time. That's the good news. The, inco- the incompetent part here is that they decided to announce it right after they missed out on Donovan Mitchell. Because funny, as the podcast is going on, I'm getting recording this, I see on my Twitter feed that Mitchell's going to the Cavaliers for a package of, I believe it's three young players and some picks and something the Knicks chose not to beat because there were areas of this deal originally that had RJ Barrett in it, which would not have made a lot of sense because the goal of this thing is supposed to be that you're trying to build around RJ Barrett and bring in Donovan Mitchell with Jalen Brunson, have that be your trio at least to start with. And you can always flip one of these guys, whether it's Barrett or Brunson later on, if it's a better star emerges. But the Knicks opted not to do that. They signed Barrett instead. They had other ways they could have pack, put a package together. They have all these picks they've been accumulating. Didn't use them yet. They had their walkaway price. They weren't going to give up both Quentin Grimes and Toppin and all the picks. They chose not to do that. Brings on a funny saying that I believe uh, Andrew Freeman, the Dodger GM, once says that if you are rational on every player, either Cost, whether it's trade or free agent, you're going to have a third on every player. I feel like that's what happened to the Knicks here. But enough on the Mitchell front, back to Barrett here. The fact that they got this contract done and the fact they hadn't gotten a contract done for a pick since the 90s says a lot about why the Knicks are always in the lottery. It's a good sign in rough sense that they are heading in the right direction. And you know what? Like, if they can get more of these picks done correctly, if they can, you know, 
hit on Quentin Grimes and maybe top and emerges to give him some more playing time. Quickly is a guy who could be an extension candidate down the road, but the key is here. They are in a good spot. I get the timing was laughable when they basically dropped the announcement of the Barrett contract right after the trade was done. So it was a console surprise. The Knicks like, hey, look, we we did something. We signed RJ long term. Great. I get that looks bad. But on the positive side here, they have a reasonable deal on RJ Barrett, who is a guy who has all star potential. It may not be a top five player in the league like you hope, but you have at least a strong starter here with all-star upside with a third pick of the 2019 draft. Remember, that draft is supposed to be a two-player draft. Just Zion and, R- and uh, John Moran. RJ was a third pick there. It's a good positive sign here that he is a long-term contributor in the eyes of the franchise. Nixon keep finding value with these picks. Maybe they can eventually get a star and be able to pay the price for it. There will be more guys who become disgruntled become available. So not just Donovan Mitchell. There will be more guys coming available. The Knicks can build a foundation here and start to win a little bit. May you do well drafting next year and the year beyond that. There is a plan here to build a contender if you can use your picks wisely and you're able to sign guys long-term because you're hitting the right guys in the picks. That's important, and this is the first step in that direction. So good job, Knicks. Not great on the timing of this, but good job on finding the right guy in R.J. Barrett. That I want to end this week. I want to thank Mike Sando for coming on earlier. Great job talking all about the NFL pre- preview here. A lot of fun stuff from that conversation. I also want to thank Alan Oz for doing the week one NFL picks. We're going to talk about this podcast. Clearly, I look at week one of the U.S. Open, some of the big takeaways, and obviously there was a lot to happen besides the Serena stuff. Check out the blog over at justinthesuffering.wordpress.com. Check out the Sky Guys podcast. The Andor cover of Rogue One, that podcast came out last week. A lot of fun. That's still in the feed of long podcasts. If you want to check it out on the Sky Guys feed, feel free to do that. It's on the same podcast platforms that we saw earlier. So check that out on the Sky Guys podcast feed. You can also check it out on all those podcasts mentioned at the top of the show. You can also follow me on Twitter, mphilips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And with that, that's going to do it for this week's show. Coming up next week on the podcast, we are going to get you ready for the recap of NFL Week 1. Tradition, Joe Dalvisio back on the horn for that. Week 2 picks and more. Until then, have a good week, everybody. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.